How about folder number two? There's no data. Boom. There is a Mr. Delu in the chat room. Hey, uh, welcome to Montreal Sauce. Hi, my name's Chris, and I'm coming to you from Edmonton, not Montreal. But you knew that because I'm speaking in English, not Quebec French. Correct. Uh, confused? Uh, let me clear that up by introducing my friend and co-host from Michigan, the progenitor of the podcast, Paul. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, a little later, we'll be joined by our guest, Jill, who's in L.A. working on Hollywood-type films. Um, but now is the awesome behind-the-scenes show uh, where you listen to myself and Paul come up with questions to ask Jill. Uh, so perfect. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like to be a production assistant? <laughs> okay. Stay Hold tuned on. in an hour. You'll hear that exact question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It'll feel like deja vu and who knows it could be. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yes. also the way we produce the show, you might have to stay tuned an entire week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So I have, uh, Hey, did you know? <laughs> wow, that sounded really manufactured. Um, I have in my notes uh, something to talk about Paul with uh, is his drinking. So Paul – no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's a live intervention. Um, no, I have in my notes that uh, recently uh, the Raspberry Pi 2 came out. Yes, it did. The Raspberry Pi 2 is uh, an exciting machine, actually, because uh, it has a updated uh, ARM chip in it um, that I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think it is dual core as opposed to the former single core, um, which in addition to the fact that it's an updated ARM um, chipset, basically, or uh, an, an updated uh core processing set, uh, it should be a lot faster because, uh, it has, well, it has two cores, <laughs> basically <laughs> it has two cores and it has multiple and it has a lot of new instructions to it. So, uh, it's going to, uh, be a major boost, especially if you're, uh, like Chris and I, and you're experimenting with things like Arc OS, um, and you've noticed that a few of the apps that you can install on your Arc OS can be a little bit slow. Um, those kinds of things are going to uh, probably get a big speed up from this because it will be able to process some of those things in parallel instead of uh, instead of kind of having to do one thing at a time like a single core chip normally does. Yeah. Um... Yeah, to rewind a little bit, if you're a first-time listener, hi. Once again, my name is Chris. You look nice today. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The Raspberry Pi is a credit card-sized computer, um, maybe like a finger tall. And and the super-duper awesome advantage is like that it is 35 bucks. Um, So, and even the new Raspberry Pi 2 is $35. But uh, yeah, I think... I think you're right. I think, and it makes sense because of the name, even though it is the, well, it's not actually the second one because they had like the B and the B plus. So it does make sense that it's dual core. Um, and it's funny that when you mentioned that I had a flashback to um, when I actually worked at Best Buy briefly, um, I wasn't actually in sales, but uh, you know, they, 
make you go to the monthly meetings and do your um, little acting with other salespeople to try to sell people things. And you have to do little training courses because if you're on the floor, you know, you should be helping customers. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, actually, Best Buy was really smart about it when I was there because they were like, if you can't help a customer, bring them to the department. Don't just point to it and sure. find a sales associate that can help them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, in my training, I took this uh, little quiz um, when Intel was coming out with some of these things. And they're like, um, you know, to explain it to the layman who um, who might be a salesperson at Best Buy, as you know, uh, <laughs> they, they had like a little picture, an animation, and it was um, people loading uh, boxes into a truck, a moving truck. And so they were like, so if you have a single core processor, um, think of the data as these boxes and this like sort of bucket brigade of people handing the box to each other to the moving truck is your, your single core. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have dual core, there's like a whole another line of people in the bucket brigade handing things and loading into the truck as well. So I was like, oh, that's a silly little way to explain that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, the thing about it is, so for most of us, uh, if you're running the Raspberry Pi, you're using a an operating system. Typically, that's going to be based off of Linux. Um, now, my understanding is the new Raspberry Pi can also run uh, a like Windows 10, like basically Windows RT ARM-based um, Windows 10, which is pretty interesting. I don't think there was a version that ran on the original Pi. Um, so the Pi 2, you have the option of using Windows and basically using a Pi as uh, your actual PC or maybe like a you could use it in a kiosk type of setting where you're building this sort of embedded device, but you want to use Windows for some reason to build it because um, there's a lot of kiosk software that's built specifically for Windows. So it's a good use of that kind of thing as well. Um, but with either of those operating systems, these operating systems have so many processes going on in the background all the time um, that even though the primary thing that you're asking the computer to do uh, normally is only going to use one core at a time, there's not a lot of individual programs that are designed to use more than one core at a time. Because the operating system itself has multiple other processes running, it doesn't have to necessarily stop those other things now that you're using, now that you have have two cores available, it can keep some of that background stuff going. Things like on the Raspberry Pi, things like talking to your USB devices and keeping the Wi-Fi connection going well while you're still using um, while you're using a a particular program. So again, with with like ArgOS, we're using things that are written in PHP, which already is an interpreted language. Takes a long time for uh, the original Pi to kind of interpret all of that code that's going on, and it's only got one core to do it. So it, you're slowing down everything else that can happen in the system at the same time. Um, just like to your bucket brigade analogy, you've got ton, just a huge stack of boxes and all that stuff that it needs to do now has to wait and sit at the back while you get the, the first things that you've asked it to do done first. 
Um, now you've got that second line. That second line makes sure that the things the system needs to do can still happen while the software is still processing that thing that you specifically have asked it to do. Hey, ArcOS, I need to grab this file. Or, hey, I'm asking to sync my calendar. Can you get that for me? Yeah, and um, yeah, kind of what you know what Paul mentioned there, like the kiosk idea, is sort of what the Pi is initially uh, built for. Is like uh, a sort of a hobbyist kind of a thing, or you know, it's small and powerful, so it's great for like an art installation and such like that. So and such like that. Well, uh, <laughs> for me, um, using ArcOS, as uh, Paul said. One of the downsides, aside from um, speed at times, was um, storage because the ArcOS is, or the Raspberry Pi, rather, is so small that it runs on an SD card. And so when we're playing with toys like ArcOS or installing OwnCloud or um, maybe like there's another awesome piece of software in ArcOS called, uh, I think it's called Litchi, which is like a photo server. So you save all your photos in this gallery and you have a web page online and now you can share your photos with your friends and you can they can download them and that kind of stuff. And all these great things need space. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and you're limited to an SD card. And so then I, you know, okay, I'll buy a USB drive, but um, Linux is uh, not always easy when it comes to just plugging things in and plug and play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's been sort of my that's my downside of the pie is I feel like everything that I want to do, I want to have space. And that's not been um, a possibility for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm currently my pie is currently in a non-working state because it's waiting for me. <laughs> um, I'm <laughs> my current project. I think it's called Retro Pie. Um, and that's the OS, so like Windows, um, that I will install on the SD card, pop it into my Pi, and then this is a basically an emulation station so that I can play PlayStation 1, Nintendo, um, old arcade games, Commodore 64 games, that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm super excited, and um, <clears throat> as I read more about this project and started getting my game files together. I was super excited. <laughs> and then I, uh, I find out that the developer of this uh, RetroPie software has made this awesome functionality where, A, if your Raspberry Pi is connected to the Ethernet cable or you have a Wi-Fi uh, dongle in your Raspberry Pi and it's on your home network, you can easily upload games from wherever you store them mm. to the Raspberry Pi. Um but as I said, my problem is storage. I've got like a you know an eight gigabyte SD card in there right. or a four yeah. gigabyte one. So I'm thinking I'm going to use a USB drive. And my experience with ArcOS was I'm going to buy a terabyte drive and hook it up. And um, and that's where the problem with Linux um, kind of comes in. Depending on the version of Linux, I don't want to give them all a bad name because um, Mint and I think um, the other one that I'm working on, uh, Crunchbang. Both those versions on my other computers, you plug something in, they're like, yep, here's your drive, buddy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But Raspbian isn't uh, always uh, so quick on the game. I actually think ArcOS is based on um, Arch Linux. 
Um, I could be wrong, but, uh, so, so what happens is then this Christmas, my mother was kind enough to send me a thumb drive that was 32 gigabytes. Um, and I was like, Oh, this will work perfectly for, um, projects on the pie because thumb drives, um, because they're sort of powered through USB seem to be a lot more user friendly with, um, with Linux for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And so, and uh, a bonus is that this is actually a Decepticon uh, <laughs> <laughs> transforming USB drive. Um, yeah, I've, I've named it Ravage. Nice. I formatted it because it looks, it doesn't look like a cassette tape, obviously, because it's a <laughs> USB drive, but it look when you transform it, it looks like a cat, which was oh, um, nice. one of the Transformer characters' cassettes that came out of sound wave <laughs> cassettes are these things never mind um, <laughs> i don't want to explain that to paul make me feel nice thanks so so i'm like there's where i'm gonna put my games but as i said this uh developer of a retro pie slickly has decided when you plug in a thumb drive with games on it like the os will automatically detect it and put them in the correct ROM files in the OS so that you're ready to go. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't want you to do that because I have a tiny four gigabyte card I'm experimenting with. Yeah, yeah. So before I um, jump into this, now I have to um, basically just go into the config file and tell it exactly where those games are stored mm-hmm. and unfortunately it sounds like i'm gonna have to go into um so basically it's so many it emulates so many things but like i said <laughs> commodore so i have to go into every one of these sort of emulation programs in the config files and say look to the usb for games ah uh, gotcha. it's not just like one line i have to change it's like lots of lines and so yeah yeah um and of course, we have modern tools like that I can do that very quickly, but it's just another step that has prevented me from jumping into this project. Right, right. But you are actually, um, I forget the name of the OS that you're using, but you're actually using your Pi now to stream the movies that we watch for Film Frown, right? Yes, that is correct. So I am using uh, a flavor of uh, Raspbian, which is just called Xbian. Um, and actually when you look it up, it all, it also goes by a second name. Let me, uh, do a quick search. Chat yeah. help me out. No is it, chat. um, is it, uh, is it just the XM, whatever, whatever that server media server stuff is? I thought XBMC. That was the- yeah. Xbox yes. media center is what it originally stood for. Uh, XBN. Yes. Uh, so if you go to xbian.org, um, that's kind of the, uh, the homepage for this particular project. Uh, and basically they give you an SD card image. Um, that is, it's really very easy. Whichever OS you have, they have like a downloadable thing that, um, will install, um, the image onto an SD card. Um, so you blast that onto your SD card, you put that in your Pi, uh, as it were, um, maybe in your Pi, uh, hole. I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's terrible. Dad joke. Uh, 
um, you put that in your Pi, you hook your Pi up to the TV uh, with the HDMI, uh, with an HDMI cord, and then it steps you through uh, your setup. It takes a little while to get through the setup just in terms of time because, again, especially if you don't have a Raspberry Pi 2, you have an original like I do, like Chris does. Um, it uh, is pretty intense, um, like the menuing system and all that. It just takes it just takes time to um, like write the config files and kind of discover your setup. So it connects to your network um, based on um, your Ethernet, but it also does have wireless drivers. So if you do have like the little USB Wi-Fi dongle, uh, it should work with that as well out of the box. Um, you can attach it to your network, and then the nice thing, and this speaks to your um, kind of storage concern with the Raspberry Pi, um, it can go on the network and discover shares that you have on the network. Um, and it has uh, the basically the Linux version of what on Macs has gone by different names. Uh, I think currently it's called uh, Rendezvous and or bonjour i can't remember which one it's called right now but it has the linux version of that so if you have network shares um that are being exposed it also has uh samba which is uh basically the windows <laughs> protocol for discovering network shares you can find those using xbn and locate where your movies are um so I'm using mine, uh, and then the other nice piece of this is that XBN has a remote control software for your smartphone. So uh, I use it with iPhone. They also have an Android version uh, that you can load and then control the um, your XBN uh, Raspberry Pi box using your phone, um, navigating uh, all of the menus that way. <laughs> what a great way to freak out your wife. It is. <laughs> it is. You're other, at work and you just turn it on and have it play something you recorded earlier. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Honey, honey, could you come in here for a second? <laughs> right, right. I'm totally invisible. It's a long story, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <clears throat> the other thing that's kind of cool about XBN that's out of the box, it also has support for AirPlay. So it can receive. Uh, AirPlay uh, audio and video from your iOS device uh, or even, I believe, from your uh, Mac. Um, so if you have AirPlay set up on your Mac, like AirPlay mirroring, you can send to an Xbian um, device. And then it also supports the same protocol as the Chromecast. So it will show up as a, um, as a sendable device via your uh apps that support the Chromecast, whatever that protocol is called as well. So you can cast to it as well as AirPlay, which is cool. Yeah. So out of the box, it's a pretty powerful um, little image to put on your Raspberry Pi and hook up to your TV. Like I said, that setup is what takes the longest. It probably takes 15, 20 minutes, and most of that time you're just going to be kind of staring at it, waiting for it to get to the next screen. Um, but once you have gotten through all of that, um, it's pretty responsive uh, in terms of the actual uh, – once you're up and running and you're playing videos through it. Um, and, yeah, I'm playing the movies that we watch for Film Frown uh, at Film Frown, filmfrown.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, and I have those streaming via the network share um, from my primary Mac. Uh, although they do make a BitTorrent Sync um, plugin for XBN. So if I wanted to get super fancy, I could have it use BitTorrent Sync, which is what we use to 100% legally distribute the movies uh, to each other and our guests so we can all watch the movie together. Right on. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, the um, <clears throat> I'm kind of excited for the two because uh, I've told this ad story here and on my blog before about um, my continuously melting iMac, uh, <laughs> which runs um, – what does it run? Sub Subsonic uh, music server so mm. that I can listen to my music here in my house anywhere I want. Um, and it serves out to me. And um, one of our, one of my friends on Cupcake, uh, well, he's not on Cupcake anymore. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> one of my friends I met through Tent, uh, Gina, I believe he's he's in Europe somewhere. I want to say Germany, but I totally don't want to get that wrong. Uh, he just bought one and or won one maybe, but he is running Subsonic. He was going to use Music Player Demon, which I guess is a little lightweight and you can use a bunch of different players to uh, use, but he tested it on the Raspberry Pi 2 and it really wasn't as responsive as he wanted, so now he's moved to Subsonic. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> And I'm excited to see, um, I figured I'd ask him like in, you know, a couple of weeks, like, how's it going if it's working? Because the idea of um, removing that 21 inch slab of plastic from my house and replacing <laughs> it with a credit card size thing to have all my music would be so good. Um, yes. And the problem is that my uh, the problem always is is that like the iMac still functions, <laughs> so I do not want to like get rid of a functioning computer. But sure. at this point, I can't use it for anything else. So it's like tucked away in the laundry room serving music. <laughs> um, so, but. We, we could probably use that shelf space for storage. So, yeah, yeah. It's just like one of those things like I feel like, oh, if I if I it's and I've been on the show enough times. I've been uh, a counter to Paul's Apple fandom <laughs> enough on the <this> show <laughs> so that, you know, I'm not an Apple fanboy, but I, I really feel like I need to give this machine to like someone or a good home. <laughs> I mean, I can't outright um, sell it. I did that once, and which is why I never use eBay again. Um, ah. But I did sell like uh, a G5 tower that uh, I inherited. Um, and it just happened to be the year they decided to liquid cool, which just happened to be the year that they just started leaking and they, those things burned themselves up. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> And so I sold it as is and I said, this is working now, but it surely will not. You're going to have to repair it. <laughs> and someone bought it from me and then said it didn't work. And eBay like protects the buyer, not the seller. Right. So yep. there was this huge thing and I'm like, okay, I'm done with eBay. I'm done with PayPal. <laughs> yeah. It was like, at that point I really was like anyone listening right now, like, that's all you need to do is like all your shopping on eBay and then say you didn't get what you were promised because totally PayPal is going to back you up. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you can get everything you want for free until they have a big enough file on you, I presume. And then they say, wait a second, you might be scamming us. Right, <laughs> right. Although I really feel like eBay doesn't care because they've already got their percentage. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's my little soapboxing. Uh so yeah, I can't really sell this machine and then it's just it's like so hard to just like throw it in a dumpster when like it has like a working screen. Like someone out there need like an IMAX screen, it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Sell it for parts. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, so but anyway, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see how Gina comes out with that cuz I would really like to move Subsonic over to that and be have it be smaller. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then uh I should mention too, like I think um, Jacob. Well, no, it wasn't Jacob. Jacob Cook, who was on uh, Film Prown last week, he actually posted some benchmarks of uh, the Raspberry Pi two a while ago, and they were like crazy good. Um, like yeah, you expect yeah. benchmark numbers to be. Um, so, but then there was another person in my feed who had bought a Raspberry Pi two, <laughs> and were completely surprised because they were just like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to grab another one of those." And they didn't actually like look at it. They're just like Raspberry Pi two, yay! Um, turns out the new one actually runs off of those micro SD cards. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Interesting. Like, oh, okay then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knew? I didn't realize that. I know they so they 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 bumped the processor like we talked about before, uh, which with the combination of. I think its clock speed is a little bit faster. Obviously, it has a better and improved instruction set and it's dual core. So you get about, uh, at least they they claim on their site, about a 6x increase. I don't know if that jibes with what what Jacob found. Um, That's also a gig now, right, of memory. Exactly. They doubled the RAM. So it went from 512 to... um, to a gig of RAM, which I'm sure uh, makes things uh, move a lot faster as well. The more stuff, the more stuff your computer can keep in RAM, the uh, the better it's going to be in terms of things like multitasking and uh, memory intensive uh, applications. Yeah, and that that's the other like one of the things like I will. My opinion on the Raspberry Pi was a little bit – the problem, I think – and I don't think that it's necessarily a problem with the Pi or with ArcOS. The problem is me is experimenting and I'm playing, which is what I'm <laughs> supposed to do. Yeah. And then I feel like I'm not getting the performance that I want from it. Sure. But, I mean, that's the real deal with the Raspberry Pi is that it's – this like device that's now like assume, I assume maybe like sitting somewhere near Paul's TV and all it's doing is like streaming for him. That's all it's doing. Like there's no like Paul isn't like logging in and checking his email on it and that kind of stuff. <laughs> like yeah. once you set up the Pi, it's like ready to go and it'll go for freaking ever. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the advantage of it. And so um, since ArcOS is like – I think it's still, is it alpha still? Um, since ArcOS is still in the early development stages, I was constantly logging in and changing things. And so, um, right. Right. And so, yeah. And so that was like part of my experience. And so if 
I think I'm assuming as when I talk to Gina in a couple of weeks and be like, Hey, how's the subsonic thing going? I'm going to get like, you know, great because that's all it's doing. It's not doing anything else. So I think that's uh, worth noting because uh, it is, I'm not saying it's like a one trick pony. It can do a lot of stuff, but um, it's, it seems like it's sort of meant that way. That's why when you get it, it comes in the plastic bag and it doesn't have a case or a power supply. Like it's all up to <laughs> yeah. you to like build this thing into what you want it to be. Yep. Yep. So, but yeah, I, um, I'm definitely excited because why not spend like another $35 and <laughs> get some shelf space for all of my wife's teaching supplies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Um, the, uh, other thing I forgot to mention, we'll switch gears for those of you listening going, huh? Um, <laughs> I, I, I'd mentioned this uh, probably the first season of Montreal Sauce. Uh, um, corrections. It's time for corrections. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we skipped an entire season before we got <laughs> to the corrections, but whatever. <laughs> it took us three seasons to get a listener to go, hey, that's not right. Um <laughs> <laughs> Because my mom was too nice. Now, listener number two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Torchwood, the TV show, the spinoff of Doctor Who, I remember telling Paul, like, hey, there's an entire another season I had no idea about. And uh, when we had that conversation, I said, I can't wait to watch this. And then my wife came home and caught me watching it and said, this is based on Doctor Who. I want to watch this. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Well, that's cool. She's like, I need to start at the beginning, though. And I was like, no, you really don't. <laughs> uh, so we finished that probably last month. Like we it took us forever, but we finished watching the first three seasons, two seasons and then Children of Men, which is basically a season, but a miniseries kind of a thing, yep, yep. which is awesome and yeah children of men is great <laughs> skip the other two uh and then we finally watched the last part which um i'm betting well first of all if they're diehard uh torchwood fans they probably all three of those people probably didn't watch the final season because it was mostly american produced by stars network mm -hmm. um but it was called miracle day and i have to say like it was an interesting – it'd be interesting to analyze that show um, from a standpoint of this is a British show with like British beats and sort of a, um, a British style of storytelling that then moved over to America and like like the two kind of genres blended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you saw Miracle Day? I have not seen Miracle Day yet. No. No, no. I haven't. It's uh, – Unfortunately, I'm I I liked it, and um, <laughs> there was some. No, I I'm pausing because I'm looking at my notes, and uh, I should say that I really liked the last season. Um, if I had to like rank the seasons, it might go. Uh, see, one and two are so they blend together. So, <laughs> like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's episodes. It's kind of like. Um, the second season I feel like is definitely better than the first. Yeah. But okay. it's it doesn't beat it by much, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I would it's tough for me. Like I would say Children of Men is the best season of Torchwood and then 
um, the second season and Miracle Day like in a close tie for second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they add some cast members in Miracle Day and they probably could have left one out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not going to have strong female characters with agency, don't have female characters. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so that's my enjoyment of the show. I was just going to tell you that I am not quite sure. And I forgot to do my due diligence of research. Um, but I think when we were watching it last month, there was like a big, like, Hey, this is not going to be on Netflix anymore after this date, kind of a stamp at the bottom of it. So I'm not sure if you can now watch net or watch Torchwood on Netflix. Um, so, yeah, because they had like a contract with Stars going that that went up at some point. Oh, okay. Because um, for a long time you would watch stuff on Netflix and you would hit like a random movie and it would be like, oh, this is it starts it would start with like the Stars logo and you're like, why do why does like one out of every ten movies do that? Well, it turns out that they ha- they were licensing a bunch of content that Stars um, could uh, stream. Um, mm-hmm. And so stars like relicensed it to Netflix, and then eventually that deal ran up. I think because I, either Netflix didn't want to pony up, or the um, the content, um, the people who were licensing stars were like, "Hey, you're not supposed to do that. Not that your license strictly forbids it, but you're not supposed to give it to Netflix." So. Um, Where's Something it? like that happened. So then stars all all of that stars content uh disappeared and I think Netflix had to start chasing it down separately from that. Where's our I'm sad that uh we don't have any of our um our cupcake friends or anybody in the chat room to go look that up. I just started giggling because you said pony up and I was like, where did that phrase come from? <laughs> <laughs> That makes no sense to me. Tonight uh, in the etymology corner. <laughs> right. <laughs> we analyzed the phrase pony up. That's right. It was uh, my friend uh, Master Aramil a few shows ago who I had said, I wonder what that means. And then, bloop, the answer came up in the, <laughs> the chat room. The answer appeared like, in the chat room. Which is a good reminder, if you want to join us in the chat room when we are live, uh, we are typically live uh, at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Yeah, Mountain, and 6 p.m. Pacific, and some crazy time UTC. Um, (laughs) Probably way too late UTC, I don't know. Uh, but while we are chatting, uh, live, you may join us in, uh, in our little IRC chat room at, uh, Montreal sauce, all one word. Uh, we are on Freenode, So if you go to irc.freenode.net.org, or if you just go to montrealsauce.com slash live, there's actually a IRC chat built right into the page and you can join right there. And listen at the same time, all on one website. It's the power of the internet. Yeah, it took um, it took Paul months to put that together. So you should uh, definitely take the time to like 
go to that page and log in. <laughs> it's not at all free code offered by Freenode. Nope. Um, <laughs> I can definitively say that it is that. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, too, because uh, I'm a little bit nervous. It was probably two or three weeks ago, but Netflix um, – Someone sent me an article that they thought I would like to see because uh, Netflix is, of course, like everyone else, caving to the whims of uh, distributors and studios. And so they're going to go after terrible, nasty human beings like myself who watch Netflix but pay for it. Mm. Um, But, you know. We watch U.S. Netflix in Canada, so apparently oh, we're yeah. some sort of horrible ge- geographic pirates, right? Um, right. Even though it's a service I pay for, but whatever. You're uh, an illegal streamigrant. Yeah, right. Um, so I guess they've been experimenting <laughs> with ways to uh, stop people from doing that, um, and yeah, the regional thing just really needs to go away, but. I understand that's how studios make money. I mean, if if you're listening and you don't understand that, I'm really in an explanatory mood today. Uh, <laughs> regions we're just, are... We're just explaining the entire internet. This will take a while. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> first, there was a man and a woman. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the bee pollinates. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Regions. This is how um, media distributors make money. So if we were living in the 90s, come on, uh, and Paul bought a DVD or a Blu-ray, let's say, look, we can not live in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Paul buys a Blu-ray. It's DVD region one, and it'll work on Paul's Blu-ray player or whatever he uses because that device that he has purchased in North America is also DVD region one. Boom. And so – Ta-da, they work well. If Paul comes to visit me in Edmonton, which is still in North America, those of you who have problems with Canada because you think it's just Toronto, um, it's, <laughs> it's also in North America. So Paul and I can watch the Blu-ray here at my place in comfort um, and very cold temperatures. Uh, and it'll work. If Paul then travels to Spain – to visit someone, that DVD ain't going to work there, yo. Nope. Um, and so studios use regions. Um, so like Sony can release the next Spider-Man movie in April of you know 2017 in the U.S. and make like $120 million and then release it in China, you know, a couple weeks later um, and stagger it out so that they can make money all year round if they want mm-hmm. through that one film. Um so that's kind of how the regional thing works, which is really weird to me because I'm not sure I did go to school um, a little bit <laughs> sooner, earlier, I'll say, than Paul. And so when I was in school, there was this big nasty word that everyone was terrified of, which was called globalization. Like, oh, no, we're going to have a world marketplace instead of just like our little areas. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like these regions are like primarily set there to stop globalization. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so yeah. So Netflix is like, 
whatever, like people pay us and we give them content, but the distributors are like, no way, like that jerk, even though I just explained it in DVD terms in regions, I'm a jerk in Canada with different copyright laws. So apparently I can't watch the same things you watch in the US. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's weird that they decided to divvy up the DVD regions by like, I'm assuming continent, but then like when it comes to, you know, streaming, they're like, oh, well, let's go with copyright law. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder how much of it happens for like Byzantine silly accounting reasons. Like, <laughs> Uh, cause they have this whole, there's this whole timeline of when it's available where, right? Like a movie's out in the theater and then it's available on like HBO and on demand. And then it's available, uh, to purchase, but not to rent. But then a couple months later or a couple of weeks later, maybe it's available to rent. Um, and you can even see this in uh, iTunes, for example, because um, sometimes you can buy certain movies like indie movies. Sometimes you can buy them as pre-release before they're even in the theater on iTunes. And then once they're in the theater, they turn into this like weird like pre-order it later, even though if you'd bought it two weeks ago, you could have had it. Um, and then – you can buy them like right now. I think I can buy Big Hero Six if I want to off of iTunes, but I can't rent it. Um, but then it will tell you like this is available for rent in two weeks. So they have all of these windows of time where they're expecting to collect your money for whatever way that you wish to view this, and you can't do that thing before then. Even though you could go to a theater or you could go purchase it instead of rent it, um, and then they take that crazy long drawn out schedule and they stagger that schedule all around the world in all of these different regions. And I kind of wonder if some of it is like, well, we're, we're going to try to make all of our money back uh, uh, that we used on production in the United States because we did the production in the United States and it's cheaper if we don't have to repatriate money. But if we make a bunch of money on it in uh you know in Europe we can try to keep those funds there so if we need to do movie production in Europe we can have that money already in Europe and they're just trying to like keep the accounting sane by not doing it all at once for the same production um or if they're just doing it um because America's the best <laughs> I like that answer <laughs> <laughs> As an America. expat. <laughs> yes. Yes, I got called a Canadian today. Felt wow. Good. Felt good. Nice. <clears throat> you hadn't said the word about yet? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that would give me away for sure. Right. There are also, <laughs> and, and I've been here long enough where it's starting to make sense to me. So, um, like, for example, my in-laws... I hope they're not listening. Uh, <laughs> my mother-in-law and my wife, both of them. I know my wife doesn't listen. Boom. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, they Troll both, lies. They both say the word B-E-E-N differently than I do. Okay. But um, then after a while, I go, maybe they're right and I'm wrong. Um, mm. They both say. Um, Don't let them get <clears> to you. I know, right? 
Like they both use, uh, I'll use it in a sentence. It, it was, oh, I need a, how do I? <laughs> it, it it has been a pleasure to be on Montreal. Been, yes. 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 That's what I thought. And I was like, that's weird. I say Ben, it's been a pleasure. But then Ben is B-E-N, right? Now we're getting to some Gallagher yeah. comedy. But uh, <laughs> but it's also not B-E-A-N. So I don't know. I don't have a bean with this. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> True. So, But yeah, some of it's starting to make sense because it's, I'm surrounded by it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's okay that you say the word that way because everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I watched like a YouTube video and I was like, why they speak so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm the one who's stuck with three E's in my last name, none of which matter. <laughs> like you should just pretend that none of them pretend they're all invisible. Yes. Say my name that way, you'll get it right. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, your your name is like uh it's just like when they just give the E's to people on Wheel of Fortune, they're like, you look, you know you're going to say E, so you can just have that one. <laughs> right, right. R-S-T-L-N and E. Yeah, you got them. Just take them. Just go get the E's. It's fine. Whatever. And now the people who make the puzzles have to use words that don't use those letters. Thanks a lot. <laughs> right, right. Pre-production sucks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... So, yeah, language has been uh, kind of a fun thing uh, to deal with. But I don't get a lot of aboots out here, actually. It's uh, it's it's interesting. But I we were just behind someone walking down the sidewalk the other day, and I was like, that guy is so painfully Canadian. And my wife's like, I don't even know what you mean by that. And I was <laughs> like, it's okay. It's okay. And he wasn't using a boots, and I don't even know how to do the impression yet, but it's just like it's yeah, kind of like yeah. it's very much like like uh <laughs> how funny that I'm using like so much it's very much like a surfer kind of a person um but it's not so diaphragmy or throaty, it's more up higher, so you know it's not like, hey dude, it's like, oh hey, how are you you know like I don't know. I'm sounding more like Bill and Ted instead. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, yeah, I would say, um, having heard uh, your wife speak a few times now on the podcast uh, and having met her in real life, hello, thanks for listening to this episode, um, <laughs> that it's, it's very mild. It's a very mild uh, – it's not like a boot. It doesn't sound like Terrence and Philip. It's uh, but it doesn't sound American. It doesn't right? sound yeah, right, right. It's really awkward because <laughs> it it doesn't sound like oh she's a bit British. Doesn't she sound a bit British? No, she doesn't. That's right. She doesn't sound British. <laughs> like you know, there's like no English accent coming out, but it doesn't sound American either. Yeah, because, probably because it's spoken. No, out. I know. Yeah eloquently and like the syllables you can hear they're not mumbled together like i do right now so mm-hmm. so yeah it's 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 interesting so but there is there's like this uh uh i don't even want to like california dreaming kind of a canadian accent i swear sure yeah there goes all of those well listens. i mean you are on the western the western half <laughs> so maybe there is a little bit of surfer dude and in influence over there <laughs> yeah 
everybody who was in California during Vietnam who was like, dude, I totally don't <laughs> want to get drafted. They all moved west. <laughs> right. They right. all went to Vancouver, became hippies, and everyone's like, oh, no, Vancouver. But then, like, Vancouver is super expensive to live in. So then they all moved <laughs> to Edmonton and yeah, started a grunge rock scene. Yes. <laughs> uh, Started having some uh, free range chickens. It blows my mind because I remember one of our first podcasts, I did a a big, big soapbox presentation on pickup trucks uh, <laughs> because Edmonton is big oil country and we have like direct flights to Texas for like a dollar fifty. Um <laughs> and so there's a lot of pickup trucks, like custom trucks here. And then um when I go to Calgary, Calgary is like Chicago, like it's like Chicago's a great city, but it's never a city that you ever want to drive in. <laughs> and I don't think Calgary's exactly that bad. But what's interesting is Calgary is like or Calgary, depending on how you say it. Yeah. It, seems, it seems to be very much like Cowboy City, which doesn't make any sense to me. Like huh. I, I was confounded by the amount of oil-type barons in Edmonton, <laughs> but you triple it when you go to Calgary, which is a, a bigger, a denser city with people. Yeah. So yeah. I guess that makes sense, but it's just weird. Like they have um, some kind of a yearly... I forget what it's called, but it's like some kind of, I don't know, like rodeo festival type thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, wow, that's crazy. Like I thought, okay, Edmonton oil makes sense. Yeah, got it. (laughs) But it's like once you succeed here, you move to Calgary. So Edmonton is the Oilers and (laughs) um, and Calgary is the Flames, right? This is true. They've got so much oil, they're just burning it. (laughs) Right. Yes. I'm assuming that is the uh, origin story behind their name. Yeah, right. They were the Oilers. It's it's probably one of those. uh, It's probably one of those things. Like the Raiders have moved everywhere. have Have lived in every single city in the the United States. I think Uh, maybe (laughs) the the Edmonton Oilers uh, moved to Calgary at one point, uh, and Calgary was like, uh, you know, let's let's light this up. (laughs) <laughs> right. And they called them the Flames, and then the Edmonton Oilers like started as a new franchise again, like the Browns, only like, successful. It's so exciting that there's so many like professional sports teams that they're just like running out of names, just like cars. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like pretty soon we're gonna have like professional sports teams that are like automobiles. They're just like words people made up. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Here come the Grand Rapids Zipperoos. <laughs> What? It's a combination of a kangaroo and a zipper. Um, for security reasons, the pocket zips, don't you? Okay, never Yes, mind. that's <laughs> where my brain was going immediately. <laughs> you knew it before me. Awesome. Oh, boy. Yeah. Hey, did you, speaking of improv, did you watch the Saturday Night Live 40 special? I did not. I'm meaning to, but I didn't see it. Yeah, it was, uh, it's funny, like the sketches that they did in that show, particularly um, live, weren't exactly that great. (laughs) (laughs) It was, so it was was, appropriate then, that's what you're saying. Totally. That's what I said to my wife. I was like, 
they nailed this special because they have music <laughs> acts that you and I are talking through because we don't really care. And sure. like, like a good 60% of the sketches are not good at all. Right. Right. <laughs> and the, the ones that we are like falling off the couch on are like, wow, we, we sort of have to play this old commercial that Phil Hartman did for Colin blow because it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, Phil Hartman, I miss him. Yes. Yeah, he was uh I'm listening what was I listening to? Uh I think it might have been John Lovitz, either either him on the Nerdist or on his own podcast, but when he talked about Phil, I think it was the Nerdist, it was really interesting. Like Phil was like uh he had a job like, oh, he was a graphic designer. So he did like uh, some big 70s uh, music acts like album cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had a job and they were like, you should come to this like Groundlings thing we're doing and and hang out with us. And so he did. And then he became part of the show. And I think I think um, I'm probably getting it all mixed up, but I think. Lovitz actually got picked up on Saturday Night Live before Phil and they were like, oh yeah, we like what you can do. You can be on the show. And he's like, really? And I, <laughs> I think Hartman didn't actually um, audition, uh, but I don't even know if they asked him. It sounded like, you know, they wanted Lovitz. And so then like the next season came along and they were like, hey, who, you know, is there anyone at the Groundlings you think would be good on the show? He's like, Yes. <laughs> so he had to like talk Phil into doing it. So it's just crazy to think that Phil Hartman was like, yeah, it's kind of fun to do this comedy thing at night, but I like to do my day job still. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yet he was like so good at it. Yeah. Yeah. He probably would have been uh, like in uh, in college when I was doing all the audio stuff and, and doing a bunch of uh, – voices uh for that kind of stuff i probably would have said that phil hartman was either you know one of would have been one of my heroes or would have been one of my like idols like i would like to be i would like to go that direction with my career one day is to be able to do not not necessarily saturday night live specifically but like he would be on the simpsons and do like five different voices right uh and he could do them all in one episode and and um and you wouldn't know it was him if you didn't know it was him. Yes, I always wanted to be um, on Saturday Night Live. But uh, Phil is an interesting character just because he was – I often talk about um, – with anyone who will listen. Imagine that I have a podcast. Uh, I will often talk <laughs> about those particular actors like say Joe Pesci is a favorite of mine where like he's really good at playing Joe Pesci. Yeah, and totally. I'm not really into that character so <laughs> I don't like Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. um I've seen Goodfellas. You're good at this. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but then there's uh who is the guy I'm going to be mad at myself if I get this wrong. Um, in uh, Eastbound and Down, Danny McBride. Yeah. Uh, Danny McBride is really good at being Danny McBride. And that's pretty much it. And I like <laughs> Danny McBride. So sure. that's okay with me. So that's great. Yeah. And I feel like Phil Hartman is somewhere in the middle. Like, 
I don't think I ever seen him do something where there wasn't a little bit of fill in it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I really liked it. But I feel like that's, you know, in the Joe Pesci kind of a thing, that's an insult sort of. <laughs> but in the sure. Danny McBride thing, I really like him. Uh, but, <laughs> but Phil Hartman, like there is always a piece of him in there. And I think that's true for some actors. You can listen to a previous episode with an actor we had on, Andy, mm-hmm. uh, to talk about that. But um, but yeah, I don't know. There was I don't. I don't for some for whatever reason I don't put him in that Danny McBride and Joe Pesci category. Like I really think he could do actual characters, but there was a piece of fill in there. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Where like when yeah. I'm watching Danny yeah. McBride and laughing my head off because he's hilarious, I'm like, this is totally Danny McBride. <laughs> I'm gonna watch him in that movie in a week, and he's gonna be this character. <laughs> Where like Phil Hartman was like a completely different character, but there was like something of Phil in there. <laughs> Maybe it was his distinctive voice. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Did you ever see the? Um... Uh, it was after he was off the show, but he hosted an episode of Saturday Night Live. I think it was when he was he was probably on news radio or something along those lines. Um, and uh, he his monologue uh, that he did was was pretty good because it was kind of like he did the I don't know who I am thing. So he kept like jumping from voice to voice. He would keep trying to restart his monologue and each time it would come out in a different voice, but he, he didn't know who he was anymore. (laughs) It was good. That is good. I like this concept. I'll have to look for that. I'm sure there must be like a Phil Hartman Saturday Live DVD. Yeah, for sure. I just watching that show was like, I, I was a huge fan for a long time and even through the like the doldrums, just like a sports team, I was like, I still like SNL even though it's kinda bad. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But just seeing like Tom Hanks on the fortieth special, like him and Lovitz, like, because this is when I'm like growing up, like him and Lovitz used to do this sketch where, you know, they'd put them in a situation like one time they're like on a cruise ship and they're just standing there and women are walking by and like Lovitz would be doing like awesome Lovitz things like, whoa, she wouldn't date me if I was the last man on earth. <laughs> and then, so then Tom Hanks would have to like, he was basically Lovitz character. So he would be like, she wouldn't date me if I had a million dollars. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just was like, oh man, I remember all these like great like sketches and Hanks was on there like an awful lot. I he was, yeah. He he was like um, short term memory loss guy or whatever, which was so great. Like, so Dana Carvey <laughs> would come in and be like, like Tom Hanks is in the hospital. <laughs> no, Dana Carvey's in the hospital, and Tom Hanks comes in. He's like, "Oh my god, I heard what happened to you, and I I just felt so bad, and I I brought you these flowers." And Dana Carvey's like, "Oh, well, that's a very nice gesture of you. Thanks a lot." And he's like. Oh my God, what are you doing in the hospital? <laughs> he's like, well, I had an accident. And he, oh, what, these are beautiful flowers. Did you give me these flowers? You should take them. You're in the hospital. <laughs> it was just so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good when like they have like an actor who's not reading the cue cards. <laughs> yes. Which would really depress me in the later years when you when they were going through some bad times and you're like looking at the cast members who are reading cue cards. <laughs> like, what were you doing Monday through 
Friday. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs>